what's good is see wood back at you again with another hard-hitting episode of ball about the south with c wood ball about the south that podcast where we go deep in the sports deep in the south i am your host Kerry wood but call me c wood for short at c wood on sports on twitter and ig is where you can find me and i definitely want to give my thanks and appreciation for you joining me here on this the latest and greatest episode of ball about the south Hope you enjoy yourself. Hope it, it is your first time joining me here on this podcast. I hope that it is not your last. I hope you make it a big part of your uh, podcast listening. Uh, make it part of your rotation on a weekly basis. And I definitely hope that you will ball about the South for a long time to come. Anyway, man, we're going to get into everything sports right now. Obviously, the big thing going on. If we have jumped into the March on the calendar, man, we are into March. You know what that means. It's March Madness time coming up here in college basketball. It's pretty much my favorite time of the year. I mean, I, again, I love the NBA, love the NBA playoffs, NBA finals, NFL playoffs, college football, all of that. Love it 100%. It's just something about March Madness. It's just something about this time of the year, man. And um, I think one of the things I like about March Madness is it's still, you know, obviously when you talk about crowning a national champion, and it seems, I think it seems that we, you know, this society in sports right now is that that's kind of all we really care about. You see it really big time in college football with the bowl games. I mean, you, you have, don't get me wrong, you have the guys, the people, well, not just the guys, the ladies as well, that love to watch college football. They're going to watch bowl games or whatever, regardless. Regardless if they mean anything toward the national championship or not. But we have a big part of, you know, college football society or whatever that if it's not pertaining to the national championship if it's, not, if it's not the playoff if it's not the national championship game I think it's pretty much useless to watch and I think we, a lot of people look at college basketball look at the regular season that way and I think even up to the, college, you know, to the conference championships and maybe even a little beyond that they look at it as like oh well it's really not that big a deal so even you know even some of the big upsets, I like the little guy. I like the little guy being included, and this is the only one. This is the only championship playoff, in my opinion, that really gives a feeling that you know what the little guy has a chance. And even though we haven't had necessarily one of those little guys actually won a national championship, we've had a couple of them come really close. You think about the Butler Bulldogs on a couple of occasions. You think about teams that maybe didn't necessarily make the championship game, but they made the Final Four, like the George Masons of the world and the Virginia Commonwealths of the world that came out of nowhere to make that type of run. And for me, that means a lot. I, mean, I love to watch those type stories materialize in the, in, this, in the NCAA tournament. And that, to me, is what makes March Madness so special. So, it's always been at the top of my list. I and mean, there are a few other reasons that I really love March Madness because uh, 
one of my favorite teams, the UAB Blazers, who, by the way, are still alive with a chance to get to March Madness this time around. They had some magical runs back when I was growing up. My dad used to take me to a lot of the games and everything. Took me to a couple of the NCAA tournaments because a couple of them came through here. Uh, had a memory of UAB beating Ralph Sampson and the Virginia Cavaliers when Virginia was number one in the country that time. UAB took them down and got to the Elite Eight. UAB was only like a program. It program was only like five or six years old, if that, at the time. And they were in the Elite Eight with a chance to go to the Final Four. Um, and they ended up losing that Elite game, the Elite Eight game to Louisville, who uh, had a really good team, of, of course, uh, led by Rodney McRae, if you guys remember him in the NBA. Kind of telling you how old I am at this point, but those memories are uh, just crazy, man. I just love those memories. And those are the things that got me started out loving college basketball. Those are the things that got me started out loving March Madness, and it just has never left. So, yeah, again, this is my favorite time of the year. No question about it. Looking forward to we got the conference tournaments going on right now. We'll get into a little bit of that a little bit later in the show, talking about the Alabama Crimson Tide. Talking about the UAB Blazers in Conference USA. We'll talk about the American, the AAC tournaments going on right now. What a game that was this past Sunday in the AAC. The Houston Cougars keeping that number one spot in the country with that huge victory at FedEx Forum in Memphis over the Memphis Tigers. I think it was shit, man. That the point guard that seemed like he's been around <laughs> for about 20 years for the Houston Cougars, making that runner there at the buzzer that kind of hit the rim just a little bit and went and then kind of tickled the twine and uh, sent the Cougars to a record where they've only lost two games all season long. And uh, if they win their tournament, obviously they're going to be a number one seed, I think, regardless. But who knows, maybe they could get the number one overall seed. They'll have to get that away from teams like the Kansas Jayhawks, who kind of, I think, most of the bracketologists of the world kind of have Kansas pegged as that number one overall seed right now. Then you got Alabama probably next in line. And then I think there's maybe a team like UCLA that could be that fourth number one seed once the Selection Sunday crew does their thing on Sunday evening, which I cannot wait to see that. So a lot going on March Madness, but we got a lot going on elsewhere as well. Uh, we're going to get into some NBA a little bit later on the show. We got all of those big-time moves that went down at the trade deadline. We're going to get into a few of those. <laughs> a lot of interesting things going on in the NBA. You're talking about parity. We talk about parity in college basketball. The NBA has parity uh, big time going on. I, you know, I don't know if there's one really... I mean, we got a couple teams out there that obviously I think a lot of people are going to favor, but I don't know if we know anything that's going to happen once we get into April and, and kick, tip this thing off in the NBA playoffs. I just, you know, I, I think there are a lot of different scenarios that could play out. We're going to talk about a little bit of that. We're going to talk about the Atlanta Hawks. Man, uh, firing Nate McMillan, replacing him with Quinn Snyder, all of that going down in like... <laughs> Uh, a matter of a couple of days, uh, we're going to get into that and, and uh, what they're looking like right now uh, there in Atlanta. 
So I would look at a couple other teams as well. And kind of just, you know, kind of give a little bit of a state of the NBA as we sit here just a month away or so from the NBA playoffs getting underway. But got to start the show with the big, big news of the week around these parts. And the big news is in the NFL. <laughs> we got a couple huge news stories. One just went down today. And that is the Carolina Panthers making a little bit of a, a little bit of a trade with the Chicago Bears to move up to the number one slot overall in the NFL draft coming up in Kansas City here in a couple months. The Carolina Panthers keep pounding, keep pounding. That's their hashtag on Twitter. They are on the clock. They are on the clock with the number one pick in the NFL draft. They have traded away uh, a couple of their first round picks. The number nine pick is the uh, highest pick, of course. They trade that to the Bears. They also trade DJ Moore. And that move obviously has set <laughs> the NFL on fire, man. It is... You know, I'm not really sure exactly how Carolina fans feel about it. Obviously, they've got to be excited because this is a team that has not had their franchise quarterback in place in a long time. The last time they really made a pick for a franchise-type quarterback, obviously, it was one Cameron Newton. And so, I think there's going to be a lot of excitement about this pick. Now, the question is, <laughs> where do they go? Because this thing, this quarterback thing here in the draft with these three guys, they're three guys right now. I think, I think we thought that we may, yeah, and I guess you could say there are four if you add in Will Levis. But I think um, this is a three-man race. It's really a two-man race when you think about, obviously, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. But Anthony Richardson, you know, this this thing, you know, the, the NFL draft, the NBA draft always has a way of having, you know, becoming kind of a flavor of the month type of type of thing. Right now, especially coming out of the combine, the NFL uh, scouting combine there in Indianapolis this past weekend, it was obvious. <laughs> it was pretty obvious that Anthony Richardson was kind of the flavor of the month. Well, maybe maybe I should say it like this. Maybe going into the combine, I think Anthony Richardson was more the flavor of the month. People, you had teams talking about trading up possibly to get Anthony Richardson. Maybe uh, jockeying in position to get the quarterback coming out of Florida. Then coming out of the combine, C.J. Stroud, he threw there. Anthony Richardson threw there. Bryce Young did not throw, even though he was present there at the combine, he did not throw. I think CJ Stroud kind of became the flavor of the month coming out of the combine. Here, you know, so that may last another couple weeks. Who knows? Maybe a couple weeks from now, as we start getting these pro days going, who knows? Bryce Young could be the flavor of the month for a couple weeks or whatever. And obviously, the size issue came to play. Uh, this past weekend there at the scouting combine, he did his measurables, and actually it was a pretty good day for him. I mean, he did not measure in at six foot. He did uh, did not even get to five eleven. Not quite. He was close to five eleven. Um, the big number, though, a lot of people were thinking he was going to come in. Bryce Young, I'm talking about 
around 190, 195. He came in at a whopping <laughs> 204 pounds. Now, you got people saying, you know, uh, man, Bryce had to have eaten. He had to go on a big-time food binge like 24-7 for the last three or four weeks <laughs> to get to 204 pounds. I don't know if that's the case or not, but obviously that was a big number. So is that a big enough number to entice the Carolina Panthers into saying, you know what, we think Bryce Young is our next quarterback. We think he is the quarterback of our future. He is the, our franchise quarterback going forward. Or is it C.J. Stroud? Right now, I think it's between those two teams, between those two players. But it would not surprise me at all if Anthony Richland, you know, is talked about a little bit more here in the future or whatever. Because, again, the measurables for him coming in at 244 pounds. You know he has the size. You know that he has the arm strength. This dude seemingly can throw the football from end zone to end zone. Uh, this dude is unreal with, with the measurables. Again, it's, is he ready with the mentals? Is he ready mentally to get this thing done? We'll see if that is going to be the case, man. I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, race here to see who the Carolina Panthers pick with that number one pick. It's going to be crazy, man. And I cannot wait to see how it goes down. I really cannot. So, the other half of that trade, though, the Chicago Bears. Now, they get DJ Moore. Obviously, the Bears and uh, Justin Fields can use some help on the outside. They need a playmaker. DJ Moore is definitely a guy that can go get the football. There's no question about that. Um, they get the number nine pick, so they stay in the top ten. Obviously, uh, to me, if you're trading the number one pick, you definitely can't fall out of the top ten. I think you try to stay in the top five, if it's me, to be honest with you. But you definitely, in my opinion, cannot trade out <laughs> the number one pick overall and trade out of the top ten. I just don't think that's cool. So they do stay in the top ten. They get a couple other picks on top of that. I think it's a good haul by the Bears. I think, you know, obviously there were a lot of talks. According to Adam Schefter, who, of course, dropped the news on this earlier today, you just I just wonder if there was, you know, what the other uh, offers were, you know, what, I wonder what those other offers from the other teams looked like. I'd be really curious to find out. But nevertheless, they make that move. Uh, a lot of people th thought that maybe trading Justin Fields would have been the move to make. And obviously, Justin Fields probably would have yielded a little bit bigger haul. I don't think there's any question about that. So we'll see how this thing goes for the Bears going forward. But again, the huge news of the day, Chicago Bears trade out that number one pick and they trade it to the Carolina Panthers. So we're going to talk about a lot about that here in the coming weeks obviously right here on Ball About the South. Now, the other bit of news in the NFL, I mean, there was a lot of, lot, there was a lot of big-time news in the NFL. Don't get me wrong. But these, to me, were the biggest stories of the week, and they both fell within my neck of the woods right down here where we Ball About the South. And the other big news was <laughs> Derek Carr. Derek Carr heading to the New Orleans Saints. How about that? Um, we've been sitting there speculating where Derek Carr would end up, the former Raiders quarterback. who He's a guy I'm high on. I've been high on for the last few years. 
in my opinion, I think he's kind of gotten um, a little bit of a raw deal at times there with the Raiders. You know, they've lost a couple of receivers. You know, uh, we all know about the Henry Ruggs situation there. A couple of other receivers that they had that kind of fell through the cracks. Uh, the defense, in my opinion, this season was horrific. We've had coaching changes. You know, you had the John Gruden situation there. So, getting out of, I don't know if I just called them the Oakland Raiders or not, but <laughs> I was just about to call them Oakland. Getting out of the uh, Raiders organization there in Las Vegas, to me, is the right move for Derek Carr. And I think going to an organization like the New Orleans Saints, who, in my opinion, I don't know if they, you know, again, I think direct opposite defensively, obviously, the New Orleans Saints, in my opinion, one of the best defenses in the NFL. Um, but that is definitely a step up for him. They do have a couple of weapons. Now, again, their main number one guy, Alvin Kamara, who, you know, it's, the injury bug has really beat him here in the last couple of seasons. We'll see just how much he can, just how close he can get back to being the real Alvin Kamara. We'll see how that goes. They have a guy like Chris Olave, whom they drafted out of Ohio State last season on the outside, who looks like he is going to be their number one guy at the receiver position. Um, obviously, they need to shore up some spots there. But for me, I think this is a good move for Derek Carr. I think this is a good move for the New Orleans Saints. And while, no, I don't think this is a move that, <laughs> say, you know, puts, okay, yeah, puts the Saints in a position where, okay, yeah, they're, they're, they're a Super Bowl contender. I'm not sure it does that, but it almost instantly makes them the number one team in the NFC South. I don't think there's any question about that. They now have, in my opinion, the best quarterback, at least right now. Things could change before we um, kick this thing off in September, but right now they have the best quarterback in the, in the NFC South as well. So, in, in my view, they've got the best team in the NFC South. That's just my opinion on that. It's just my opinion. And so, if nothing else, and it's not like Derek Carr, it's not like this guy is Aaron Rodgers, who's really toward the, we know for a fact, is toward the end of his career. I mean, Derek Carr could play four, five, six more seasons possibly. So I think this is a good move for the Saints. I think it's a good move for Derek Carr. We just have to see how it plays out once he hit the field. But uh, I think this is a good day for the Saints, who now, like I said, have become a player in the NFC again. In my opinion, again, I, I don't are they better than the Philadelphia Eagles? No. Um, but uh, can they play with a team like the Vikings? I, I think so. Yeah. Can they play with a team like the Cowboys? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Can, and, you know, uh, the 49ers, I guess, arguably the second best team. Of course, they've got their quarterback questions right now as well. You know, again, Derek Carr may have may be a better quarterback than anyone that the 49ers roll out there. So, yeah, even though I, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Saints are like a, just a clear-cut Super Bowl contender. I can't say that they're not. I can't. I really can't. I think this is a really good move for the Saints. I really do. We'll see how this thing plays out. So,
those were the huge moves that took place in the NFL. And like I said, they happened to have taken place here in my neck of the woods right here in the South, man, in the NFC South, that is. Anyway, man, we're going to take a quick break. Be right back, man. We're going to get into the madness. Talk some conference champion, uh, conference tournaments, that is, SEC. We'll talk a little AAC, maybe a little ACC. And a couple other things, and then we'll get into some NBA. When Ball About the South continues. All right, y'all. Let's get back into this thing. Ball About the South. This new episode continues, and I want to get into this March Madness. And the March Madness is really starting to begin right now with the conference tournaments going on right now in Nashville, the SEC tournament. We're sitting at the semifinal round. We have two, I think, really good, really very interesting matchups coming up. Uh, the later game, we'll uh, have the Texas A&M Aggies going up against the upstart, the surprising <laughs> Vanderbilt Commodores, fresh off of their victory over the Kentucky Wildcats last night, sending all of Big Blue Nation home. <laughs> Big Blue Nation going home early from the tournament man, I, you know, uh, I admire how all of those fans come and follow their team I've experienced it a couple of times myself going to a couple of SEC tournaments and just seeing how they just take over a building I know remember one of them was probably one of the best SEC tournaments there ever was maybe the most well I put it like this it was the most star studded SEC tournament I think we've ever had um, we had guys like Shaquille O'Neal with the LSU Tigers, and we had Kentucky had guys like Walter McCarty who um, you know ended up in the pros. We had um, yeah, you, every team seemingly had really big time pro prospects on their basketball team. The Florida Gators were pretty good that year, and Alabama had Robert Ory and Latrell Sprewell, and of course, obviously, I went to suit check them out a couple of those games in that tournament. Uh, the, that Sunday championship game was just crazy. I could not believe how many Kentucky fans packed the arena here, man. And they outnumbered Alabama fans. We're, we're right here in Alabama. It was it was just crazy how they do it. One of the best tournaments ever, one of my best experiences ever. I remember Shaquille O'Neal getting in a fight. <laughs> if you want to call it a fight, he got tossed out of the game. He And I can't remember Carlos... Oh, man, I can't remember the guy's name from Tennessee. Carlos Strong or something like that. That got into the fight with Shaq that night. That was the uh, quarterfinal game on Friday. And both of them got kicked out of the game. Really crazy atmosphere that night. And uh, this really crazy, crazy star-studded tournament. But, you know, to see all those fans, uh, it, it is insane. And, uh, you know, and then they did it again last night. All those people wearing blue Vanderbilt sent them boys home last night, buddy. <laughs> they sent them home, and you got to give a big-time shout-out to Jerry Stackhouse. Jerry Stackhouse, man, Stack is doing his thing. They, The Vanderbilt Commodores are right now. They have put themselves in position to make the NCAA tournament, regardless of they, if they win the SEC tournament or not. I'm not sure they're quite in, though. When you sit there and you look at this thing, I, I'm just not really sure. You look at their record, though. 
They they that was their twentieth win last night. Now the twenty wins twenty wins used to be kind of the key threshold that teams would have to hit to make the NCAA tournament. That's been some years back, right? So now you don't have to win twenty games anymore, but you have to have the schedule. Um, I'm just not really sure if Vanderbilt. You sit there and you look at their net ranking, and that is the big thing right now. Net ranking, uh, quad wins, you know, quad one wins, things of that nature. Those are the things that really make a huge difference. And last I checked, I'm going to look at it right quick again here. The college basketball net ranking while we're talking. And you got to go down the list pretty far to find the Vanderbilt Commodores, unfortunately. Vanderbilt is 79. Now, they moved up four spots with that win last night. So, they were 83rd as of yesterday before that game. And they moved up to 79. And just to give you a little bit of an idea. And see, this net, see, and this, let, me get, let me give you an idea of how this net ranking is kind of, I'm not really understanding it to a degree. And then again, I kind of do understand. You look at Oklahoma. Oklahoma's sitting 69th. Now, Vanderbilt's record is 20 and 13. And, Vander, uh, and Vanderbilt went 11 and 7 in the regular season in the conference. And they've won two games here in the tournament. So basically, they've won 13 games inside the SEC. Okay, Oklahoma's only won 15 games. Now, Oklahoma's not going through the tournament or anything like that. But they sit 69th. That's eight, I'm sorry, that's 10 spots higher than Vanderbilt is in, in the net ranking. It all has to do with schedule. It's kind of it's kind of unfortunate, man, you know, um, to sit there and look at it like that. It, it just really is when you think about Vanderbilt. So we're going to look at their schedule really quick because really when it comes down to it, Vanderbilt is really the, about, about the only question as far as the SEC is concerned. The SEC is, is pretty much destined to get eight teams, uh, starting with Alabama at the top. And, you know, and then you ended up, I think, probably the last team in for sure right now would probably be Mississippi State, although I think there's a bit of a question about them as well right now. Uh, with them losing the game to Alabama yesterday, I'm not for sure that Mississippi State is in. It could, it could come down to one of those teams or the other being left out, Mississippi State or Vanderbilt. So we'll see how it works. But, you know, you look at Vandy's schedule. They schedule pretty good. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with how they scheduled this year. Uh, you know, you look at Memphis, Southern Miss, Southern Miss. Now, you might think, about, well, Southern Miss is not that strong, but they won the Sun Belt. Uh, regular season. Uh, they beat Temple. Now, they didn't beat Memphis or Southern Miss. Uh, they lost to St. Mary's. St. Mary's is a top 10 team right now. Uh, they St. Mary's or top 15 team, anyway. They won the WCC over Gonzaga in the regular season. Uh, they have VCU on the schedule. They had Pittsburgh, and they beat Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh, however, is a team that's on the bubble according to some of the bracketologists. So which one, it could come down to that. You look at Pittsburgh really quick. Pittsburgh showing a uh, net ranking of 67. Going to be really interesting to see how this works out. For me, I think obviously they deserve to be in. I mean, you sit there, in my opinion, you win 
forget the two wins in in the conference tournament. If you sit there and you win eleven games in what I think is a pretty strong conference, in my opinion. If you sit there and you win eleven games, you go eleven and seven. <laughs> and you and it looks like they played a pretty good schedule. I mean, these this there's not a lot of cupcakes. The one loss on uh Vandy's schedule is gonna probably haunt them a little bit is the loss to Gramlin. But Gramlin's a pretty good team. They're not bad. They're twenty two and eight. They won the swag. So it's not like Gramlin's horrible. But that's probably going to be the loss. If Vanderbilt is kept out, that is probably going to be the loss that does it, unfortunately. So, anyway, we'll see how it goes. Again, uh, SEC tournament. And in, in the other quarterfinal game, I'm sorry, the other semifinal game, of course, we have the Alabama Crimson Tide facing off against the Missouri Tigers, which I think uh, could be a really fantastic basketball game. We have two teams. In my opinion, and I said it back a few, a uh, couple months ago, after Alabama played Missouri the first time there in Columbia, Missouri, that these are the two most exciting teams in the league. And I stand by that statement. These two teams get up and down the floor. Both teams love to shoot the three ball. Missouri is a team that presses you all over the floor, kind of, you know, I'm not going to say it's full out 40 minutes of hell like we used to see with the Arkansas Razorbacks, but they love to run pressure. They love to turn you over, create fast break opportunities, shoot three ball, all of that good stuff. They have a lot of athletes on that team. They're led by this uh, their inside guy, Kobe Brown, um, who was absent the last time Alabama played Missouri. And Alabama won that game handily. They won... Uh, going away by 21, but if you look back at that game, that game was a lot tighter than that 21-point margin would suggest. Alabama um, ended that game on a pretty good run, and uh, you know, kind of cruised away at the end of the game, toward the end of the game. But that game was nip and tuck throughout, and I don't expect anything different in this semifinal matchup. Uh, at noon on Saturday. I think this is going to be a really, really competitive basketball game. I think Missouri has a chance to make some noise in the NCAA tournament as well. They're definitely a lock to get in. Um, they earned a double by being the fourth seed. I'm really looking forward to this basketball game. Hoping Alabama can come out on top. The Alabama Crimson Tide doing their thing yesterday against Pretty tough opponent, man. Pretty tough opponent when you think about the Mississippi State Bulldogs. The Bulldogs are a team that is looked at as being a team that is going to make the NCAA tournament, but probably right now going to be a really low seed, possibly even going to the first four games there in Dayton. Um, you know, we'll see how it works out. I'm not for sure that Mississippi State is in as well, but Mississippi State has some really good wins, and the, the big win that sticks out for the Mississippi State Bulldogs is that win over Marquette. I think that was in December, November, December. It was before the conference season started. That win is sitting up large right now. If Marquette won the Big East regular season uh, championship and they are in the championship game against Xavier on Saturday night uh, to win the Big East tournament championship. So uh, that is one win 
that Mississippi State can point back to. And again, I hear a lot of so, so many people talk about, oh, well, that game, oh, that game was in December, the game was in November. It doesn't matter. It was in your, it was on your resume. It doesn't matter. So Mississippi State, their net ranking is a lot better than what Vanderbilt is. It's not great, but you know, let's go back and look at my. Uh, Mississippi State is uh, Mississippi State is running. Oh goodness, I thought I had it right there. I know they're running higher than than Vandy. Uh, man, why can I not find them? Right there, they go. They're forty nine. A lot better than Vandy. Now that's that's the thing, and that's the reason that I say. I'm just not sure about Vanderbilt making the tournament right now. I think I think winning against Texas A&M would, would be really good for them. Texas A&M is another really good basketball team. They play a style. Buzz Williams has those guys playing really good basketball. Taylor, their guard, this dude, he they just found a way against Arkansas yesterday, and that's kind of what they do. They they don't they're not really flashy offensively or anything. They just really get after you defensively. Uh, not really great shooting the basketball from three-point range, but they're good enough. But they really pound the ball inside, and they, they know how to draw fouls. They march to the free-throw line as good as any team in the country. And uh, those that's really usually the key to beating Texas A&M. Can you keep them off the free-throw line? But it's hard to do. So, again, I think that's going to be a really good game against Vanderbilt today. But, you know, so, but Mississippi State, in my opinion, is a little bit ahead of Vanderbilt in, in the pecking order. Alabama beating them yesterday, 72-49, really uh, beat them pretty handily, obviously. Mississippi State is not a really good shooting team from the perimeter, and they shot it even worse yesterday, hitting only one three for the entire game. Uh, Alabama got 18 points from Brandon Miller yesterday, and, uh, really look pretty good at times the other times they look kind of stagnant you know but Mississippi State can make you kind of look that way sometimes the way they defend really kind of way things work out when you go up against that Mississippi State ball club and really similar to what Texas A&M likes to do to you as well so Alabama being a huge victory and I'm really proud of that I think that win probably sold up the number a number one seed. I'm not sure about it. Obviously, they hadn't sold up the number one overall seed. I don't think. I think there are a couple of bracketologists out there that have Kansas as the number one overall seed above Alabama, and I can understand that. To really, to be honest with you, I would have had Kansas as the number one seed back, you know, a few weeks ago, but they had Alabama. I think Kansas has a few more impressive wins than does Alabama right now uh, outside of the league. And then, of course, you sit there and you look at the Big 12. The Big 12 is probably the, the deepest, best league in the country right now. They, <laughs> This team has only 10 teams in the league. And I'm telling you, they, they weren't far from having all 10 teams be able to make the tournament. They're going to probably get nine. If they don't get nine, they're done, definitely going to get eight. 80%, maybe 90% of the league is going to make the tournament. That's crazy. So, but, uh, yeah, so we'll see how that works. Again, the seeding, I don't know if it's even that, that big a deal. Even if 
Alabama had dropped to a two line. If Alabama, let's say they had lost yesterday and, you know, they dropped them down to a two line, it doesn't really matter. I don't think that much. The thing that matters the most are the matchups when you get into March Madness. You know, the seeding is can can kind of be important, but, you know, we just, you just really don't ever know until you get that bracket, until you get into um, that arena that Thursday or that Friday or whatever and, and go play. It just really doesn't matter, in my opinion. So we'll see how it goes. Again, I think there's some things Alabama's got to get better at. Uh, we saw some, again, the, the big, couple of the biggest things I don't like about this basketball team at times is they're really, when, they, when you have really good interior defense like a team like Mississippi State does, they get really tentative going through the hole. Really tentative going to the hoop. I really don't understand it. Even Brandon Miller saw some time for being kind of tentative, you know, tentatively going to the hole, not going aggressive. And I really don't understand that. And Nate Oates got on him right after that. I mean, you know, and it, it, it really got in his grill. And and I and, and he's absolutely correct on that. I just don't get it. Uh, Sears, the point guard, is another when they really weak around the rim. Now, I understand he's small. He's the guard. And he's going amongst all those trees and all of that. But he's got to be more aggressive. He's got to be more... Huh, I don't know, man. I, so that is one of the things that kind of irks me about this team. Uh, not finishing around the rim. Other than that, I thought everything looked pretty good. They you know, didn't turn the ball over a lot, but they're going to have to watch that in this game against Missouri again. Missouri turns you over like no other team does in the SEC. They play that pressing style. Alabama's going to have to be ready for that on Saturday afternoon. The other big thing, and I have not touched on it, besides what's going on on the court, what's going to go on, in March Madness with this Alabama basketball team is the Darius Miles um, and the, uh, the situation, of course, with the um, the murder that took place there a couple months ago, or about a, about a couple months ago, not quite. Um, and obviously, first of all, you have to continue to give uh, to really think about and uh, give condolences to the family of Jameer Harris. I mean, I think that is obviously has to be the, the thing that you have to do. Um, it's just really an unfortunate situation. It's a terrible, terrible situation. A young mother, only 23 years old, losing her life senselessly, man. It, it's, there's no reason any of that should have taken place. There's just no reason at all. No, re no rhyme or reason at all. And our thoughts, I think, continue to go to her family. Um, obviously, her son, only five years old, is going to, you know, navigate this life without his without his mother. It's just it's just terrible. I'm sure he probably has um, good support with his, you know, other parent, maybe his father, uh, maybe grandparents and things of that nature. But nothing compares to having your mother. And um, I just I just really feel for that family. I just really do. Uh, 
so yesterday the indictment came down for Darius Miles and his friend uh, I can't remember his first name but uh, Davis was his last name uh, they were indicted and it's looking like they're not sure when it's going to go to trial obviously you know how that goes it can, it can be next year sometime before they get to the trial or whatever but all of that has been set up and so far you know it looks to me that Brandon Miller is is you know, not going to be charged with anything. Um, I mean, look, I'm not sure of how how this thing works. I don't know. Obviously, I think Brandon Miller and Jaden Bradley, two players that are still on the Alabama basketball team, are probably going to be witnesses. They're going to be called on as witnesses, at least I would assume, uh, when this trial starts up. But right now, they uh, have been cleared. They have no crime that they've been charged with no crime or anything like that. So, for them, that is a good thing. Uh, but, you know, for me, man, this is the first time I've really kind of spoken on it on this show. Uh, it's, it's really a complicated situation. I, a lot of people are coming down on you know, the University of Alabama's athletic department, the president, head basketball coach, Nate Oates. Coming on, coming down on them for the way they've handled this situation. And I tell you, when this first, when this thing first came out a couple of weeks ago about Brandon Miller, I kind of understood where some people were coming from. Now, I, you know, I I get it. Actually, I get it anyway. I get it all the way around. To be honest, I can understand why there are a lot of people that think that he should have been reprimanded in some type of way. I get it. I'm not I'm not talking about the criminal part of it. I'm talking about from the University of Alabama. I get it. My thing my um uh, opinion on this matter is I think if it was gonna be a suspension for Brandon Miller, it should have been back when this when the incident initially happened. Or initially after that rather. Maybe, you know, suspending for a few games or whatever while the investigation is pending. And, you know, then once he's cleared, then he's good to go. That's probably the way I would have done it. But now there are conflicting stories out there of whether or not the University of Alabama actually knew all of the details. I really don't know that answer. So I'm not going to try to even get into that. But... So if they didn't know all of the details, then I get it. I get why they did not suspend him. And then, in my opinion, I kind of get why they didn't suspend him when the news came out about him bringing the gun to the scene. I know that's probably not pop popular uh, <laughs> commentary or whatever. It's probably not a popular opinion. That's just the way I feel about it. I'm, I'm just like, Okay, he hasn't been charged with anything. Why, at that point, why would you be trying to suspend him? If the investigation was still pending, things of that nature, after these revelations came out, then yeah, I think absolutely he should have been suspended. But if they, the, the police, and they're telling you there's no charges going to be coming against this guy, I'm not really sure why you suspend him at that point. That's just my, you know, again, that's just my opinion. 
if like I say, if I I think I would have suspended him back when the incident first happened, if they knew all that they knew. So that's very, very crazy, and it's just a terrible situation all the way around. There, obviously, again, you think about the the family of the uh, of the young lady first and foremost but there are three other families man Darius Miles Darius Miles was depicted as being a nice kid and his mother is a cop his father was a veteran retired veteran (laughs) or military anyway Um, uh, you know I'm not really understanding why we're coming down on on that part of the of this thing, either of saying, well, this with his parents and this type of thing or whatever. But for me, I think they probably did all they could. I think you know they they've done all they could to really give him a really good life, and I think that he just made a bad decision. That's just my opinion on that. And uh, so his family is torn apart right now. Then you sit there and look at the family of Davis, even though, yes, he pulled the trigger and obviously he deserves to uh, be punished to the fullest extent of the law. There's no question about that. But still, there's a family that is torn apart by this. And then, of course, now you're talking about her boyfriend. So, you know, his family, her cousin. So there's so many so many people really torn apart about this whole situation. This is really terrible, man. And I think, man, more than anything else, I think we need to try to figure out why. Why do our young kids, our, our young adults, and then, of course, it's not just young adults. Let's just kind of get that notion out of there. It, it could be anyone. Why, in a situation like that, do we feel that the first thing we need to do is pull a gun? Why is that? I just don't understand it, man. And, and we've got to get to the bottom of the, the, our decision making. Um, to, to you know, uh, being able to sort out a, a, a dispute and being able to solve it without pulling a gun, we've got to be able to get better at that. So anyway, uh, again, there's just so there's so many facets to this um, situation. It's really, really crazy. It just really is. And then, of course, then you look at the Brandon Miller situation. For me, Brandon Miller, again, we can sit here and, and argue all day, all night, <laughs> about whether he should have been suspended, whether he should be uh, looked at as an accessory to this crime or whatever. We can sit here and argue about that all day and all night. But if they haven't charged him with anything, I think the media needs to kind of chill out a little bit. I think some of these fans need to kind of chill out a little bit. This is still a guy that's trying to live his life. If he's not, I mean, it used to be, and I think it's supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, not the other way around. Brandon Miller has been absolutely looked at as guilty before being proven innocent. And it's not cool. And it, it continued even yesterday in the um, post in the um, press conference following the basketball game. 
I'm going to play you a really quick clip of this is Joseph Goodman of AL.com. Right here. Um, in the indictment, um, Darius Miles owned a gun that was used to kill somebody. Um, do you own a gun? No. Okay, so there you go. Joseph Goodman is a writer, a sports writer, I guess. I'm not sure if he does write sports or whatever, but uh, for AL.com, which is basically the newspapers here in the state of Alabama or whatever, he just asked that question to, to Javon Quinterly. Why is he asking Javon Quinterly if he has a gun? Why is he asking them that? Javon Quinterly was not involved in this case at all. His, his name has not been mentioned anywhere in this case. Why is Joseph Goodman asking Javon Quinterly if he has a gun? If you read the article that he put out yesterday in AL.com, he mentions that maybe there's a gun culture around the University of Alabama basketball team. He mentioned that Darius Miles, how how could he just, I can't remember the exact word, but how could he just uh, seamlessly, I guess i say, I'll use that word, load a gun in the backseat of Brandon Miller's car to be used in a murder. I had, now, correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't heard that testimony. I haven't heard anywhere that Darius Miles loaded the gun in the back seat. Then maybe there is. I maybe I missed it. I don't know. But at this point, it doesn't really matter. Why are you asking Javon Quinterly that question? And why does that make it make it so that Alabama, the basketball team, has a gun culture? Because one guy on a, a legal gun now, again, I'm not sitting there trying to back Darius Miles up on any of this now. Don't get me wrong. But it's not like he had an illegal gun. From what I understand, it's, it's legal for you to carry a gun off campus there. I don't know about on campus. I'm not sure how all that works. But a lot of people have been saying that, okay, well... He, you know, Brandon Miller had the gun in his car. He shouldn't have had it as he can, he's not able to carry it. Well, that's not necessarily true because, first of all, where they were was off campus. So, I'm just not really understanding that type of questioning. And that's what we've, I think we've really gotten used to since this case started on Brandon Miller. And I, I don't like that, man. I mean, again... We can sit here and argue all night long whether or not Brandon Miller should have been implicated or whatever, but so far he hasn't. So why are we trying to, you know, mess up his life, mess up his career? Why are we trying to put this kind of uh, stain on the Alabama basketball team saying, oh, well, it could be a gun culture about by them. And then we go and ask someone that's not even in the the this case. His name has not been mentioned in the case at all. You go and ask him, does he have a gun? Does he own a gun? I just think it's ridiculous, man. I do. That's just my opinion.
but that's what they've been dealing with. So we'll see how they um, navigate through all this as they get ready to finish this SEC tournament and then, of course, get into the NCAA tournament next week. Something I'm proud to say that I will be attending next week since we have the first and second rounds coming through Birmingham, the first and second rounds of the Southeast region. Uh, part well, not really southeast region. First, there's going to be a first and second round pod. I think that's what they call it now. We'll be here in Birmingham, and it will almost certainly, uh, not about 99.9% sure, the Alabama Crimson Tide will be in it. And I have my tickets ready to go for Thursday's action. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see all the teams, even if Alabama was not in it. I'm the type dude. I probably would have win anyway. Because <laughs> I just love seeing college basketball, and I love seeing it in March. So, man, I can't wait to see uh, those guys out in action. Hopefully, we'll get some really good teams and we have some good basketball here coming up this weekend here in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, we'll get into a little bit more college basketball here uh, in my next segment. We're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna come back and talk some NBA. When Ball About the South continues. All right, so we're back in. Ball About the South continues, and uh, we're going to get into a little bit of NBA right now. And sit there and you think about the trade deadline and what went down. Obviously, it was a very, very busy trade deadline this past season. And, well, this uh, just a few weeks ago, actually. And, uh, probably the busiest we've ever had and it really yielded a couple of huge deals obviously we're talking about Kevin Durant moving from Brooklyn to Phoenix you talk about um, Kyrie Irving moving from Brooklyn to Dallas all of that um, really really active deadline there's no question about that so let's look at kind of a few of those moves and let's look at the um the way the standings look and all of that right now if we get you know we sit there and you look at the calendar we're about just a little bit over a month away from the NBA playoffs beginning which is just insane to me man I mean that is just insane that we're just a month away it's crazy how this this season has just gone by so fast so you look at that Kevin Durant move uh, one thing that I kind of was uh, questioning was well at least about the Phoenix Suns anyway I didn't have a question about the move obviously the move makes sense I think the Suns gave up quite a bit though to get him in my opinion I mean again it is Kevin Durant don't get me wrong and we're talking about a Phoenix Suns organization that I'm not sure if they've ever won an NBA championship. I'm not really sure if they have. It's been 40, 50 years ago. It's been at least 50 years ago, probably, when they won one. And um, and they've only been in a couple NBA finals, to my knowledge. So, obviously, them going out and trying to get a Kevin Durant to, you know, to kind of solidify themselves a really good shot of winning the NBA championship kind of makes sense, no question about that. I just think they gave up a lot to do it. I mean, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, those dudes are, uh, I mean, especially in the, in the case of Bridges, Bridges is on the brink of being a star. 
and he was your best perimeter defender. He was one of your best three-point shooters. Um, you know, everybody talked about them not losing DeAndre Ayton. I mean, that was all well, that was all well good and everything. I think I would have rather kept Mikael Bridges than Ayton, if, if you're asking me. I understand what Aiden gives you. He gives you that big around the rim. Pretty decent rim protection. He's not one of those bigs that's going to really step out and hurt a team uh, and really stretch the floor for you or anything like that. But obviously, Aiden's a really good ball player. Don't get me wrong. I just think that Mikael Bridges, the things that he did for that basketball team were just uh, as significant. So, losing that, even though, yes, they gained Durant or whatever, I don't know, man. We'll just see how, see how that works. And then Cam Johnson, again, another guy. They they lost their two best perimeter defenders and maybe their two best shooters besides Devin Booker. I don't know. So, I'm not really sure how this thing is going to work out for Phoenix. I mean, uh, you know, they made a couple other moves, so they, they, they kind of rounded out their bench a little bit. I thought... Uh, I still don't know how just how deep they are, but it's going to be interesting to see. Of course, now the biggest question is going to be continuity. And that was heard again with Kevin Durant somehow, some way, being injured in the layup line in pregame warm-ups the other night. So he's going to miss two weeks at least. He only played three games. And again, those were successful three games. And uh, you have to give him credit for that. But, man, I just I just don't know what to say about that. I just really don't. So I'm, I'm just not really sure how this team is going to have that continuity when it comes playoff time. It's just a different time, man. I mean, yeah, okay, he, he, he balled out those two or three games that he played. The playoffs are just so different. I don't have to tell you guys that. Teams are so much more dialed in defensively and things of that nature. Um, I don't know. I mean, everybody's penciling this team in. The only, the only reason why, in my opinion, that I can still see Phoenix moving on and actually making the NBA Finals is just because of the mediocrity. Well, I'm not going to say it's mediocrity in the West, but I will say it's definitely a lot of parity. This is no great team out there. So... You know, you have the Denver Nuggets leading the way. You got Memphis behind them. We're going to talk about this John Morant thing really quick here in just a second. Um, obviously, you have teams like, you know, the, the Clippers who look pretty decent here the last couple of games, but it was looking like a train wreck the first few games after they received Russell Westbrook off the waiver wire. I don't know, man. Then you have the question about the Lakers. I mean, what are they going to be? Really, my favorite team to watch out there in the West right now are the Sacramento Kings. And, you know, you sit there and look at how crazy these things are in the West. I I think a lot of people are kind of counting out the Sacramento Kings because of their youth, because they haven't really been there. But... I'm telling you, this team is capable of making the finals, man. They're not the NBA finals. I think they're very much capable of making the Western Conference finals. I just really do. Why why would I sit there and not like them as much as I like it? 
or like them less than I like a team like Memphis who's got their issues going on or like a team like the Clippers or a team like Phoenix who has no continuity right now or a team like Dallas who doesn't have really good defense or really good inside play even though they have two of the best guards in the game. Why would I like why would I not like the Sacramento Kings as much as those teams? And I'm telling you what, you go into that building, I forget what they call the building out there. <laughs> that place is loud right now. It sounds like a playoff atmosphere right now. Imagine <laughs> what it's going to sound like when it's actually the playoffs. You're not going to want to sit there and they're going to have a home court advantage, at least in the first round. You're not going to want to go to Sacramento and play that basketball team. And I tell you what, when you do go, you better bring your offense with you. They may not be able to defend you very well, but you better bring your offense with you because they are going to score on you. <laughs> Point blank simple. De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis, all those dudes, Harrison Barnes have been kind of the, uh, you know, kind of the grandfather of that team or whatever. He's, he's taking them under their wing and all of that. That team is dangerous, man. I don't care what anybody says. Now, what I predict that they make the finals, even the Western Conference finals? Probably not. But it wouldn't surprise me at all. <laughs> it just would not surprise me at all. So we have to see how it goes. Denver again, they're sitting at the number one spot right now. Um, I like their chances a lot better. I think they've made some really good moves, but I'm just not sure we can trust them. I mean, you know, guard play. They got Jamal Murray. They got, you know, the couple other guys. They have running point and everything. And obviously, they have Jokic, who they kind of run their offense through anyway. So that makes it a little, uh, a little bit better when you think about it from that direction. But I'm just, I, you know, again, I really like Denver, but I just, I'm just not sure, man. Then, of course, when you're thinking about the West, <laughs> the Western Conference, obviously, you can't forget the LA Lakers. Um, <laughs> that is a very interesting ball club, but I really like the moves that they made. Uh, and of course, LeBron is out with an injury right now himself. But that is a lot better basketball team than they were a few weeks ago. There's no question about it. These are the kind of moves that the Lakers, you know, Jeannie Buzz, Rob Polinka, all those people, the brain trust of the Lakers should have been making these last couple of seasons. Not some of these moves that they made bringing in a guy like Russell Westbrook didn't make any sense. Um, and then to sit there once you get Russell Westbrook in the fold there, then you kind of sit there and put a lot of the blame on him. I just thought that was wrong, in my opinion. I just really did. I didn't I didn't like that at all. Uh, you, you were asking Russell Westbrook to be something that he just simply was not. He's not a spot-up shooter. He's not a guy that's going to really thrive without the ball in his hand. And I think he's played better since he's been with the Clippers. But again, is that going to be enough for the Clippers to move forward and talk about really contending for a title? I'm just not really sure. Uh, that team is, again, very disjointed as well. We've only seen Kawhi Leonard and PG-13, Paul George on the floor, but so many times either. So it's going to be really interesting out west. In the, in the east, got to give a shout-out to the New York Knicks. I mean, the Knicks have been doing their thing. I think they lost the game the other night to Sacramento, <laughs> team I just you know just spoke about. But other than that, they have been 
putting it on everybody they have played. They won a game in, in Boston the other night. Uh, very impressive coming back. And of course, Boston has not looked very impressive here lately. Blowing double-digit leads. I think they blew double-digit leads in three consecutive games to the Nets, the Knicks, uh, the game I just mentioned, and Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken. I think all three of those games this past week, they had double-digit leads in the second half. And they blew every one of them. So very uh, curious of what's going on in Boston. And that, that team has always been kind of as good as they are. They can have some really, you know, when they talk, when they're talking about having low points in their season, they can really have them to be such a talented and otherwise really pretty, really good basketball team. It's really crazy. Uh, of course, the Milwaukee Bucks have taken full advantage of that. They had won like 15 in a row or something like that, and they have uh, taken over first place there in the East. So they're in excellent shape, I think, to have home court advantage, and that is the danger of what Boston is doing. Man, you're talking about an Eastern Conference Finals between the Bucks and the Celtics. Guess what? If there's a Game 7, that Game 7 is going to be in Milwaukee. So it's a lot to think about when you sit there and look at it. For me, I kind of, you know, as much as I like Boston, I've always liked Milwaukee a little bit better when they're when they're healthy. I just still like the size of that team. You talk about Lopez. You talk about the Greek freak Giannis. You talk about a guy like Portis coming off the bench. But I always like their size and them they're still being athletic enough. Um to deal with a team like Boston that just really, quite frankly, doesn't have a lot of size. So this 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 always been my thing. And they have the guard play as well. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Drew Holiday is really uh, underrated guy in this league. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, the rest of the East, man, you look at Philadelphia, obviously they can make some noise. I don't think they're quite as good as the other two teams. But, of course, Joel Embiid does cause a problem. We'll see how that works out. I think they made some good moves as well at trade deadline to make themselves a little bit better. I think they're probably their biggest thing. I think is probably perimeter defense. I think they shored some of that up. Um, we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, again, Harden and James Harden, the question of him in the playoffs and all of that. I, I think that's an overblown kind of thing really I'm not you know again I know he's had some points <laughs> where he's faltered in the playoffs but I don't think it was all his fault every time so we'll see how that plays out um, beyond that in the east very much different than what we're seeing in the western conference I just don't really see anybody else really contending to get to the NBA finals uh, Cleveland is an interesting case there's no question about that but and I think they're good enough to really um, uh, put a scare into one of those top two or three teams. No question about that. Don't get me wrong. But uh, right now, even the, despite Boston struggling the way they have, I still think Boston would have a leg up on them. Uh, the team I want to talk about out of the East, though, is the Atlanta Hawks really quick. Uh, they make the change. They fire Nate McMillan. In like a couple of days, they sit there and they hire Quinn Snyder. So obviously that thing had to been in the works for a while. Here's my thing about that move. <laughs> Here's my thing. 
We saw the same thing when they hired Nate McMillan a couple seasons ago, and we know what happened after that. They uh, they got hot. They went on a, an amazing run just to make the playoffs, and then once they got to the playoffs, they took advantage. Be a couple teams that were down. Uh, they beat Philadelphia. And obviously, we know all that happened with that team, and then they uh, even took Milwaukee to six games. And in that season where Milwaukee won the NBA championship. So, you know, it, it worked out at, at, at least initially. But now all of a sudden, you know, everything's not, not good with him, even though they've really, I think, made some improvements to, to that basketball team. We got a lot of the same characters on that basketball team, led by Trey Young, John Collins, Clint Capella. You can go on and on and on. I just don't know that there's any really difference in it, man. I, I, for me, I think that, you know, there are a lot of people, that obviously, that came down on Nate McMillan in the, in the Hawks fan base. They didn't like some of his rotations. They didn't like things that he, some of the things, the way that he handled things or whatever. But for me, it comes down to these players. <laughs> I don't know. Until I'm proven, until proven otherwise. Until proven otherwise, I'm just not buying that, oh, well, Nate McMillan was the only issue on this basketball team. I'm just not buying it. <laughs> I'm just not, man. And they came out like gangbusters after the after the, uh, after the hiring, um, uh, well, I'm sorry, after the firing of Nate McMillan. I mean, they came out and blew a couple teams out and did their thing. Now it seems things have kind of come back to earth again. We'll see how this thing works out, but I think what really needs to start happening in Atlanta instead of firing coaches or some of these players, they need to look in the mirror and say, you know what, maybe the issue is me. <laughs> I think until they do that, you're going to still see a lot of mediocrity in Atlanta. That's just my opinion. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Anyway, so yeah, we're going to talk a lot more NBA, obviously, if we get into uh Get close to the NBA playoffs going down. I'll definitely be on the lookout for that. Uh, again, but this is about March Madness right now, man. The madness really begins next week. Um, looking at some of the other teams that definitely will be in March Madness. Memphis Tigers here from around my neck of the woods. The Memphis Tigers will definitely be in. Out of the American, they, will, uh, they won a game yesterday against UCF to move on in the American Conference Tournament. Uh, really good basketball team. They've got uh, their Kendrick Davis back. They're a big, big-time star. Uh, this dude can fill it up with the best of them. This is a really good Memphis team that I think can definitely make it to the second weekend of the tournament depending on their draw. I mean, it's just, again, that's just where it, where it goes. The matchups mean everything in the NCAA tournament. If they get a really good draw, this team is absolutely a Sweet 16 type team. There's no question about it. Possibly even further than that. Very athletic. Uh, Penny Hardaway deserves a lot, a lot of credit, or definitely a lot more credit than he's getting right now. I don't think there's any question about that. So, really exciting time for the Memphis Tigers. Of course, the Houston Cougars are still reign supreme in the American, but that is, uh, i tell you what. That's uh, again. That's a really good basketball team. Obviously, their sight are on the Final Four, and there's no question they have a team that can definitely make it there. 
Um, our Conference USA, the UAB Blazers. I promise I'll talk about them for a quick minute. Huge win yesterday uh, over North Texas, right there in North Texas' backyard there in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So UAB will have a chance to get to their second consecutive NCAA tournament win their second uh, consecutive Conference USA tournament. And that would be monumental because this is their last season in Conference USA. They will be in the American next season. So I'm really looking forward to that rivalry being rekindled. That UAB-Memphis rivalry back uh, in the Mike Anderson days. By the way, Mike Anderson being fired by St. John's was huge news. Uh, That... That just really never made sense to me. Mike Anderson being at St. John's, didn't, it, it just didn't ever look right. Of course, he had the news of Jim Beheim retiring. Josh Pastner, head coach of Georgia Tech, was fired uh, on Friday after the ACC tournament loss or whatever. So, a lot going on in the college basketball world. Quite a bit. One other bit of news, though. It's good news. Again, I was talking about Brandon Miller, how, in my opinion, a lot of people have been kind of throwing him through the ringer, man. And now throwing the entire team through the ringer, insinuating that there's a gun culture on this basketball team, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous. But Brandon Miller won the the SEC Player and Freshman of the Year Awards uh, earlier this week. And uh, last week, the final, at least I thought it was at that point was the final list for the John Wooden Award, which is basically the player of the year. I thought that he did not make it, and actually he did not make it last week. I thought that was it. Some kind of way he's all, all of a sudden been added back to that list. So I guess maybe with this indictment that happened yesterday, maybe that's what they were waiting on. I, I, I don't know. But again, that's the kind of things that I was talking about with Brandon Miller, man. Uh, kind of a, on a guilty until proven innocent type deal with him. So I'm glad to see that he won those awards, and I'm glad to see he's back on the award list for the John Wooden Award. Anyway, man, we're going to close this show out. I really want to thank you for joining me. I am C. Wood. Uh, please like, subscribe, do all those things. Football about the South and then listen to this podcast on Google. Uh, tune in, Spotify, Amazon, all of those, and just about anywhere you can listen to a podcast, you can find Ball About the South. Let me know how you like the show, and I definitely hope that you will join me back here next week. I will come out with my March Madness show here before we sip off the first and second rounds next week. Be on the lookout for that. And until then, man, I'm out. Peace.